0: This is Popular Technology Radio, your source for the latest emerging tech and hot internet trends. Now, here's your host.
1: Hey, welcome everyone. Mike Etchard here. It is Popular Technology Radio, and I'm glad to be here. I hope you're having a good day, a good week, a good weekend, whatever it may be as you are listening in. Uh, This, of course, is the show where we talk about tech. And we've got a pretty groovy show, if I might say so myself, coming up. We're going to talk later on in the show about privacy and Amazon and a bunch of stuff that is happening uh, as we head into spring. Spring has sprung, depending on where you live in the country. And I know that in June, E3 is happening. That is the Electronic Entertainment Expo. That is the big trade show for the gaming industry. And I Often go. I've gone to that event for many, many years, going back, gosh, more than 20 years now. We're kind of seeing the heat up. E3 down here for a games conference. It is a pretty bombastic event. A lot of new games are are introduced and it's a fun fun event. Not open to the public unfortunately, but uh, it's certainly open to trade and and to press and folks like that. So unlike in the old days where you wouldn't find out about stuff for a while now in this current day and age, you can find out stuff the same day it's announced there online someplace. But as we look down the road and see kind of what they're going to be talking about maybe it's going to be a discussion of a new gaming consoles uh, we're starting to see some stuff in the news about the next generation PlayStation maybe or might likely be called the PlayStation 5 people are starting to talk about it a little bit it hasn't been confirmed in terms of exactly what it is but certainly it is coming at some point, maybe 2020, but maybe later on this year. And I suspect they're going to be talking about it at E3. There's been some information about it coming out. It sounds like it's going to be not a dramatically different, but certainly an evolutionary product as opposed to the current PlayStation 4. Uh, They may have a solid-state hard drive in it. It will certainly still take discs, although it's unclear if... Uh, PlayStation product will be all disc formatted in the future. We'll see about that, but it's going to have some hot rod chip in it. A lot of stuff under the hood that's going to make it a much better experience for gamers. So that is going to probably be talked about at E3. And I think they're also going to be talking about the next generation, uh, Microsoft product, because that is also kind of, you know, it's getting a little, uh, a little long in the tooth, shall we say? So, It's probably going to be perhaps an all-digital Xbox, uh, as they're talking about. Maybe that's not going to use discs. Hard to say. Nobody's really talking specifics, but it sounds like both of those products are going to be on the horizon, which is interesting to see that consoles will still be living for the foreseeable future and still be a big part of – of any any gamers kind of compliment of of what they have uh in their house for stuff but of course this is on the heels of google announcing their stadia platform for games for whatever and again we have some details about that but not a tremendous amount of details so if you are a gamer wow there's going to be a lot of choices that you're going to have to decide and like everything in the world of tech You're going to have to make decisions because they all cost money. Which are your priorities? Are you an Xbox person? Are you a PlayStation person? Are you an online gamer? Well, you're going to have wonderful options, and certainly people overlap on that stuff. But we'll see whether what will be the most compelling for you as a consumer to buy, just like in any other of these sort of top-down categories. So on that note, we've got some other stuff to talk about today. As I mentioned, we're talking about privacy because there's been some things that Amazon has come out about Amazon. This was not an announcement by Amazon, but things that uh, that have come out about Amazon and privacy and the Alexa device. And so we're going to spend a lot of time on that today because I would say that is troubling at least to me is it troubling to you are you concerned about your privacy with all these different devices in your house as we start to get more of the internet of things in our households privacy is going to become more and more of an issue so we will be talking about that today as well so buckle in we've got a groovy show for you this is pop tech radio we are coming back right after these words Hey, welcome back everyone. It is Popular Technology Radio, Mike Etchard. Of course, that is Romantics from a song from the 80s playing uh, Talking in Your Sleep. I hear the secrets that you keep when you're talking in your sleep. Perfectly relevant to the conversation we are about to have about our little friends at Amazon. Joining me on the show for this and many segments is Allie Craig. She's a branding expert. And Allie, welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
2: I'm great. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Now, let me ask you. So this was a Bloomberg article that came out last week talking about All the little gnomes that are employed around the world by Amazon, and they apparently are listening into various snippets of conversations, and they are transcribing, annotating, and then putting them back into software. They're basically trying to make Alexa better at voice recognition, and I suppose it makes complete and total sense that they would do this from a technology standpoint, were you kind of taken aback that, A, this came out and kind of the level of what they're doing? They're saying that people listen. It's like nine-hour shifts, and they listen to a, a thousand clips in a shift, and this is going on around the world. What do you think about that?
2: It's not surprising, and I don't actually believe Amazon's story personally from the idea of, oh, we're only doing it to make Alexa better. No, they're not. They're doing it to try to figure out what you want to buy so they can sell you more stuff. And that's the big thing about all of this is that in today's society, Amazon, Facebook, all these technology companies, for most of us consumers, this is a Intimate relationship of sorts. We think of them kind of as our best friend. Oh, I'm just going to go jump on Amazon. I'm just going to ask Alexa to do this for me. I'm just going to ask Siri to do whatever. But we forget that in the end, all of these companies, Amazon included, they're out there to make money however they can in whatever way possible. And if that means listening in on your conversation, they're going to do it.
1: They are. Well, and of course, on this show, we've talked a lot about the kind of the big three. You know, there's Alexa with our friends at Amazon, there's Apple and Siri, and there's Google Voice. And all three of those companies have different corporate objectives on the way that they make money. And from a branding standpoint, does this kind of hurt Amazon? My personal take on this is, I mean, I love Amazon. I'm a a customer. I live kind of in a semi-rural area. So, you know, it's not easy for me to get certain things just to go down the street and buy them. So I do like Amazon and I'm a customer. I'm a prime customer. I I get it and I dig it, but I don't want to empower them any more than they are empowered already. But are people going to give them a pass on this? It seems like Amazon is not bulletproof, but boy, they sure have a pretty big brand loyalty.
2: They do have brand loyalty, and I am one of their customers as well. (laughs) I think Prime is fabulous for so many reasons. Here's the interesting thing about all of these brands is that with Amazon, are they going to get a pass on this go-around? Yeah, probably. There's not going to be too many consumers who are going to turn off their Alexa devices and, you know, put them in the trash and say no more. But it's going to happen again. And it's going to happen again. And it's going to happen again. And slowly, our trust in these types of companies, Amazon, as well as the other ones, is going to become eroded. And at some point, consumers are either just going to Lay down and die, for lack of a better term, thinking that this is just the way it is and this is what I have to accept, or they're going to revolt and say, Forget all this nonsense. I'm going to buy my products online, but I'm not giving you my personal information anymore.
1: And, you know, the Bloomberg article pointed out that you can sort of opt out of this. There are in the privacy settings, there is a way to opt out, but then the article went on to say that but that still may not make them stop doing it to you, even if you've opted out. I suppose the other question is, at some point does the government step in and at least lay some guidelines out to kind of tighten the noose a little bit for all of these companies? Do you think that could happen?
2: We all hope it doesn't happen, but yet look what we just saw in Europe happen last year when they came out with their entire new standard of how companies can interact with a customer's private information that isn't necessarily far off when it comes to us in the United States.
1: Right, and I think Europe is a little more worried about this than we seem to be. I, maybe that's just my perspective from in the States, but I think we're a little loosey-goosey on this. But let's talk about the three, though. So this is a problem that Amazon clearly is dealing with right now. Apple is kind of, their line in the sand seems to be that we are the privacy option, that they're really kind of marketing and branding themselves as being that. Google, of course ultimately wants to sell advertising in the broadest sense. What is the brand loyalty to the other two? I mean, Apple obviously has tremendous brand loyalty. What about Google? Do do people kind of feel the same way about
0: Google?
2: Google's kind of like Microsoft when it comes to how (laughs) much people are attached to the brand because Google has not done a very successful job on making the brand – have a persona or a lifestyle to it you go to google to get your questions answered and then you go away from google i mean their their communities just failed they just you know took back their whole social media aspect of it and so google doesn't really have that heart component whereas amazon and Apple are both in our lives every single day for the most part you either have an apple phone or some type of Apple device and so therefore it is literally by your side amazon is the one you go-to when you just need to get your kids, you know, snacks that you forgot to buy really quick or go get the latest item you just saw on Facebook. You want to purchase it fast. Amazon's our go-to source. And so those two brands have a lot more Attachment to our every single day life than Google does. But what's going to be interesting is Google in the business sector because so many businesses are using Google and Google Drives and all of their platform basically to do work virtually that their data security is going to be more concerning because it's now going to affect businesses, the customers they serve, and it's a deeper ripple potentially.
1: Mm, indeed. On that note, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We've got Allie Craig with us talking about privacy and branding and all that stuff. So we got more when we come back. It's Pop 10 Radio.
0: Brembo has been stopping champions on the track as well as drivers like you and me on the street for over 50 years. Whether it's UV-coated brake discs, low-dust premium ceramic brake pads, or high-temperature brake fluid, BremboStoreUSA.com is the place to go to buy genuine Brembo OE-equivalent replacement brake components. Go to BremboStoreUSA.com to help you achieve that 60-0 braking performance you deserve and expect from Brembo. Brembo, the choice of champions and consumers for over 50 years.
1: Hey, welcome back. Mike Etchart here. It is Pop Tech Radio. Ali Craig, branding expert, is joining us. We are talking, of course, about the Amazon news, I suppose it is. Uh, It came out in the Bloomberg article last week about people listening in. According to that article, uh, this team comprises uh, a mix of contractors and full-time Amazon employees who work anywhere from Boston to Costa Rica, India, and Romania according to the people who signed non-disclosure agreements, not uh, allowing them to talk publicly about this. They work nine hours a day, and each reviewer parsing as much as 1,000 audio clips per shift interestingly enough, they have come across some people doing bad things. And I don't know if you read the article, Ali, but they have actually kind of a a little chat group between all the workers that allows them to kind of talk about it. And I guess they share kind of funny clips, but there have been a couple of potential sexual assaults. And apparently Amazon, from what these employees say, has kind of said, you know, that's not our business to interfere in that. And Oh my god. <laughs> you know, It's just, it is kind of stunning and scary. And you were talking on the break, and we were mentioning, and you don't have any of the three devices, right, Allie?
2: I will not touch any of those devices. Nope, not in the least. I have Siri turned off on my Apple device. I won't buy anything that has Alexa in it or any of it. Nope.
1: <laughs> and since we kind of started planning uh, you coming on a few days ago, there's been another Facebook issue. And we kind of alluded to this in the first segment. People seem to be giving all of these brands a pass and another pass and another pass. I'm going to take a just a wild guess and say that I think the luster on Facebook is the most damaged at the moment. Would Would you concur with me on that?
2: It is, but it isn't damaged to the point where people are going to stop using it. And that's on some level, quite shocking. But as you said earlier, especially in the States, we Americans tend to be a bit naive when it comes to the value and the potential threat of personal information that we have getting out there in a big way.
1: Yeah. Why is that? Are we just kind of this laissez-faire society relative to Europe? Or are we truly naive?
2: Our American culture naturally is a very optimistic culture where we don't think people are going to, for the most part, do wrong or hurt us. We think everyone is safe and everyone is great and we don't really have stranger danger and we don't see the stranger danger, especially online. So we, of course, want to be trusting to everybody, definitely much more than the European culture is. And so I think in the end, that's going to definitely bite us in the bum, but We aren't going to see that damage happen until it's a little too late, and most of us are going to be suffering damages that we won't be able to fix. You know, it's more than just someone getting your password nowadays. It's they can have your voice, they know what you do, they know where you're at, they know your habits and routines. That's a really big threat that most of us don't stop to realize. What do you
1: think is going on in the grand halls of Amazon right now? If anything, you know, when this news comes out, what are the branding wizards at Amazon start talking about in terms of kind of damage control on this stuff?
2: For how shocking this article was, I'm even more surprised that it hasn't made bigger waves. And I think that's exactly what they were waiting to see when it comes to damage control with regards to the brand, is was this article going to get some feet and really go with it? And the truth is, it didn't really go anywhere. They came out, it was said, and people were like, huh, that's shocking. And then they went on their merry little way. And that, to me, is... The most concerning thing, because the truth is, is that Amazon, all these brands, yes, they're out to make money. They all have very specific agendas. But in the end, I really think their true agenda is so much bigger and deeper than they're ever publicly saying that we don't really know the relationship we got into. It's almost like you were dating somebody, and then they you know, took all their makeup off, and you're like, wait, who's this person I'm with? <laughs> it's the same situation here. We think we're dating somebody. We think we're dating Amazon, and then wait. We see really what they're all about, and I think that's going to shock a lot of the consumers in the end.
1: Yeah, but when's the end? It just seems like it's like a drug. It's so hard to – be critical of Amazon when they do such a great job of delivering stuff to your door. If you're a prime customer in two days, you know, I find it hard. I mean, almost kind of, you know, like you have to go cold Turkey to, to stop using an Amazon product. And at some point one would assume that somebody somewhere people are going to start not revolting, but maybe just kind of pushing back. Do you think?
2: I think, but here's the interesting thing about Amazon Amazon owns so many smaller companies that you don't realize are Amazon companies. When you scroll down, if you look at Amazon, your desktop, and you scroll all the way down and you see all the companies they really own, you're like, whoa, that's a lot. By the time it gets to the point where people are going to be pushing back, I have a feeling that most of us will have closed the local mom-and-pop businesses, the local big box stores, and then what are we left with? We're going to be in that situation where there's a few local survivors, but the truth is everything you really want is on Amazon or one of those Amazon-owned companies, and it's going to be, we have to keep playing with the devil that we know as Amazon, (laughs)
1: That's so dystopian of you to say that. (laughs) Unfortunately, I agree with you. But then at the turn of the last century and and through kind of the middle of the last century, the the government was fairly aggressive in breaking up a lot of monopolies. Obviously, by any definition, I would say that Amazon is a monopoly. But I wonder if our government will finally kind of catch up to the times of of what new monopolies are. And will that break up Amazon, potentially. And on that note, we got to take a quick commercial break, so I'm going to let you think about that Allie, on our break. And then when we come back, we're talking more about Amazon and the Bloomberg article and branding and all of these large companies and what we might be looking at down the road. So you listen to Pop Tech Radio, stick around, because we are coming right back. Should 5% appear too small?
0: It's Dodge Performance Days, where that new car smell gets replaced by the scent of burned rubber. With Dodge Charger and its available best-in-class 485 horsepower, Dodge Challenger Hellcat Red Eye, with up to 797 horsepower and 707 pound-feet of torque, and the powerful seven-passenger Dodge Durango. Hurry in for great deals now at Dodge Performance Days. For large regular car vehicle segment, Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC.
1: And we are back. Mike Echard here, Pop Tech Radio, our friend Allie Craig. She's branding expert. We've been talking about our friends at Amazon. And I left you with a thought, Allie, before we took that last break. Um, do you think at some point the government will step in and kind of update the notion of what monopolies are? And will there be a concerted effort at some point, perhaps, to maybe kind of break up these juggernauts, the Googles and the Amazons of the world?
2: Well, I think at some point the government may step in, but right now they have bigger fish to fry than to worry about what is considered the new monopoly. What I think is more interesting is that Amazon actually came out themselves saying that they don't see the company lasting for another 15 years. So what does that mean? What are they predicting and seeing on their internal side that is actually having them feel that Amazon will not be the same Amazon 15 years from now?
1: Yeah, that was kind of shocking. And it's interesting, you know, I just, I don't know if you have a Whole Foods in your neighborhood, but I went down to Whole Foods. And, of course, it's, it's a little disconcerting to go into Whole Foods when, and show them your Amazon Prime, you know, QR code or whatever it is they ask for when you check out. But Amazon themselves are kind of, ironically, it's back to the future. They're kind of jumping into brick-and-mortar stuff to a certain degree. How is that working out for them? Do you think the Whole Foods of the World customers were kind of taken aback by Amazon stomping on their kind of semi-privileged area?
2: The truth is, the Whole Foods customer is the Amazon customer. And those are the people who do buy Prime. Those are the people who buy often and a lot. And so, of course, it makes sense for Amazon to purchase Whole Foods. And what these customers want on some level is a blend of old and new. They want the instant that we've all been promised in today's society. So we love Prime. We love same day. That's like so great. But we also love the idea of going to our local bookstore that's brick and mortar, sitting down, having a cup of coffee, flipping through the pages and all of that kind of tactile experience, which we are fundamentally and biologically made and designed for. And that actually creates stronger loyalty within the brand as well as within the local communities to fight and protect that brand from necessarily leaving. You know, I was recently in Hoboken and there's this huge kind of challenge happening there because they have these great charming stores that have been there forever. I mean, classic New England to say the least. And then you see, Athletica or you see Sephora and there's this big debate on should these big box stores come in. When these big box stores come in like Amazon and at least create a brick and mortar location, it will make the local community fight for them more because it becomes part of the community. So it is a smart move on Amazon because it kind of gives Amazon a bit of a heart and when it's only an online retailer and who knows how my product gets to me, it just magically does. You know, That can be a little heartless of a brand, and that's what Google has. Google has that kind of heartless brand. It's pure tech for the most part. It doesn't feel approachable. With Amazon buying Whole Foods, coming into the communities, it actually gives Amazon a bit of a heart and, more importantly, a bit of a lasting chance to keep its brand customers loyal to them.
1: I've been doing a version of this radio show for about… Probably almost 15 years now. Not quite that long, but a little bit less, but around that time. And, you know, we can always kind of focus on electronics. And and when we first started the show, it was kind of the end of the Sony dynasty in consumer electronics. And, you know, there was a time when Sony was the mark of quality. If you wanted to buy a television set or anything sort of electronic, Sony was it. And it really, within a couple of years of us starting the show, the luster on Sony's brand really started to decline. And then it was kind of the rise of the Korean brands, the Samsungs and the LGs. And of course, before that, there were the American car companies and then the the transition to the Japanese car companies and then the same thing into the Korean car companies. Do you think there's a chance that the brand awareness of, of Google, of Amazon, can really slip to a point where they won't go away, but people will kind of just turn away for whatever reason, maybe people just get sick of brands or or are they just kind of too big now to really falter like that?
2: No brands ever too big to falter because look at all the brands that are closing Sears, you know, all these large retailers that been iconic in our American history. So a brand can always falter and fail, but is there another potential, Star on the horizon? Not yet, at least. There may be some, but I wouldn't be even be able to name a name for you because Amazon is so perfect because the way the structure of the business and the brand is, anyone can sell. You can sell products on Amazon, anyone can be an affiliate. They've done a really smart job to acquire smaller businesses that fill gaps that they had and offerings that they were missing. And then they did really a smart way to take all those people who are selling items on eBay and say, hey, you want to sell stuff with us too? That's great. Here's a way you can make money. So it's a really smart play to really get its little tendrils into all of us, either from the consumer side, because they have exactly what we want, from the selling side, because we too can become sellers and partner with them. And then from their smartness of just having diversity in the types of levels and the types of different brands. So it's not all just mass produced items. They do have their local crafts that are made. They have their handmade items. They have their world section. So it's a, it's so diverse that I couldn't see someone taking it over just quite yet.
1: And it's funny you mentioned eBay in there because I had written down eBay and I would say that I was a gigantic eBay fan when it came out I mean I was like far more than I am about Amazon and anything else I loved eBay in the early days but boy if you're a brand executive for eBay what are you telling them these days because eBay was the Amazon in the early 2000s and they really have lost a considerable luster on what they do Um, what do you think about eBay these days what would you recommend for them to do?
2: Well, what's interesting is eBay lost part of what the mass consumers thought it was for. But now it's almost coming with a rebirth of being the place to find anything that's sold out. If it's sold out, if it's discontinued, if it's a limited edition, you're not going to be able to find it on the Amazon because big retailers don't have access to it. But you're going to find it on eBay. So if you're looking for, you know, that special limited edition target item that came out there and they sold out in two seconds, you're going to go find it on eBay being sold again. You're going to pay a higher price for it than what you would have bought it in the store? Yes. But you're willing to do it because of the exclusivity of it all. And that's really what eBay, to me, is turning into. It's the when you can't find it anywhere else, I bet you someone's selling it on eBay.
0: Interesting.
1: All right. Well, I want to pick that up on the other end of our break, because that's fascinating and that's something out of my purview because ebay is not dead to me but boy ebay it's just not like it was so we'll talk about that when we come back it's pop tech radio
0: have you ever tried to plan a vacation and the hotel costs, airfare and pet sitter all add up to one big never mind Well, it's time to embrace the adventure and go RVing instead. GoRVing.com is your one-stop shop for all things RV camping. Browse the different types of RVs, find a rental agent or dealer near you, and compare the costs. Explore more than 16,000 RV parks and campgrounds nationwide, and even plan your menus for the trip. Find out what you've been missing at GoRVing.com. That's GoRVing.com.
1: Hey, it's Pop Tech Radio, Mike Etchart, with my good friend Allie Craig. She is a branding expert, and we are talking about a lot of things, actually, in the tech world. And I want to come back to eBay. And and Allie, I think I've talked about it on the show quite a bit. You know, in the day of eBay, and I was not the earliest of early adopters, but I got on around 1999, I guess, was my first eBay transaction. It was joyous. It was miraculous. It was fantastic. And if you like oddball things, and at the time, eBay was much like a super organized garage sale. It was like everybody was clearing out their garage at the same time when eBay kind of became part of the awareness in the culture. And in my case, I'm a a guitar player that plays left-handed. So I look for left-handed guitars, which are pretty rare. And eBay was just unbelievable. And then it's like everybody all of a sudden was finished cleaning out their garage. And what you were telling me about eBay is kind of the rarities now. They're carving their niche. And my take on it is really is eBay now is kind of trying to compete with Amazon. Is eBay being successful at this kind of rebranding? Are they successful so far at this?
2: I think eBay is definitely making a good try of it. Will, in the long run, this be the only way and the only platform out there to kind of sell those rare items who knows? Who knows what's gonna come out next? But for right now, it is the go-to place that when you know Target's doing a special or HM is doing a special collaboration with an artist and all those items sell out quickly. Here's a way to get it. It's an easy way for consumers who are at you know the clothes out stores like Marshall's or TJ Maxx and they see the Nike shoes on sale for 20 that they can go sell them for 40 because people still want Those Nike shoes, they just don't know where to get them because so many big retailers are either closing or trying to push through their inventory to try to get something that will move on their shelves, that they're sending it all to these lower discount department stores who are just trying to clear it out as well. And so that's really where eBay has, you know, kind of begun to find a sweet spot for itself.
1: Well, and I used to sell quite a bit of things over the years. eBay has gotten so expensive, you know, and they purchased PayPal, of course, back in the day, and I have found that, and others complain about it, if you're a seller, it's really kind of a terrible place now, because, and and they have always kind of favored the buyer, and and kind of given the seller short shrifts on the event of of a dispute, they really do favor the buyer. If you're eBay, how do you counter that branding-wise? Because, you know, people can sell on Craigslist, and there's used goods on Amazon, in fact. How does eBay kind of carve back their place in this world?
2: Well, I think when it comes to the eBay sellers, they have their loyal sellers because it is truly a way of life. If you're an eBay seller, this is a mindset you have. You're consciously going out to find items to resale for very specific purposes. You're not doing this randomly, you're not accidentally running across, you know, this amazing painting at a garage sale that you picked up for three dollars like nope you know exactly what you're looking for and you have an entire system and i think that's the difference between what ebay is now in the beginning ebay was people just cleaning out their garages cleaning out the attic just what did we find yeah you know granny died no one wants this tchotchke let's just sell it on ebay and see what we can get for it Today, the people who are truly selling, making money on eBay are ones who are truly looking at it as a way of life and approaching it as a business. Whereas we have other platforms, like you said, with Amazon selling used goods, also with Etsy, uh, Craigslist, Facebook has all of their local buy groups that you can have out there, where if you're just, you know, have that one off item. That's where most people go because it simply is easier. The rules, the terms and conditions are just easier to understand. And honestly, they're less restrictive. eBay got so big and had to put so many rules and regulations into place that it is so corporate that you can't make a move, just consumer to buyer kind of situation. So it does become a bit big brother ish when it sometimes maybe doesn't need to be. And with Amazon, even though they have used items, you know, they have their Amazon happiness guarantee policy and they're going to back the person buying the item way more than they're ever going to back the person selling the item because they know in the end, the seller's going to come back most likely, but the buyer may not. And they want to make sure that buyer always leaves happy.
1: It's funny you mentioned that. The fun thing and the kind of not so fun thing, but it was, it was more fun than not fun. In the early days of eBay, it was truly the wild West. I mean, and that was a time when the internet was still relatively new. Lots of people had slow connections and dial up and, There wasn't as much information out there. People didn't know what they had. And that's what kind of made it fun. But it also was, there was a lot of shenanigans going on on eBay. So they have cleaned that up. And like everything in life, you know, these things kind of start off somewhat unorganized. Then they get more refined and it turns into a real business and all that stuff. But I still think that eBay, of course, it's not nearly as big as it used to be in terms of popularity, I suppose. Or am I wrong about that? Do you still go to eBay? Is eBay still popular for most people?
2: I never shopped on eBay. <laughs> yep. Okay, even in the beginning. But but with that said, I actually have branding clients who their main – that they do is they teach other people how to sell on eBay. And so what's really interesting from working with this client of mine is to understand that it may not be as – culturally relevant in the United States stateside, but it is a massive source for supplies and goods for people who are living in Hawaii, for the Mm -hmm. military that's living overseas in Europe or in Asia, and all these other countries that are not necessarily the 48 states of the United States, that they use eBay as a great way to get products that they're looking for that are too costly to try to purchase local. They can purchase it through eBay.
1: Yeah. I still visit. You know, I still I look, again, like you were saying, for certain things that are rare and, and used stuff, at least for my world, used is far more interesting. So I tend to go there for oddball things I'm looking for. A, I lost the one car mat in my car, and I need a new car mat, a single one. I don't want to buy a full set of four. I just need a single one. eBay is perfect for that. So they still live. They are still there. And uh, I I'd love to visit uh, eBay from time to time. But boy, in the day, it was... It was my hangout, and I would, oh, it was a problem, let's just say. <laughs> Almost an addiction. So on that note, we got to take a quick commercial break. we got one more segment with Allie, and we're going to talk a little bit more about branding. When we come back, it is Pot tech Radio.
0: No one ever said, give it a bit. No one ever said, give it less. We say, give it everything. The world wasn't built by half-measures, by the half-hearted. So when we set out to build our boldest SUV ever, we didn't hold anything back. Introducing the all-new Telluride. Kia. Give it everything. Expected spring 2019 in limited quantities.
1: we are back pop tech radio mike etchart with ali craig branding expert in this last segment let's end with our friends at facebook ali shall we let's do it (laughs) it has been a rough last couple of years for facebook and as a branding person do you kind of look at them and go hello come on what are you doing it seems like they continue to just kind of step in it and don't really have great responses is that your take as well
2: Facebook is definitely showing how egotistical they truly are with the consistent breaches and issues and their lack of really, truly, genuinely caring for hurting their actual consumer.
1: And I'm going to guess that comes right down from the top. I kind of think the rank and file people that are working there are banging their heads on the wall saying, why can't we respond in a proper way to a lot of this negative press? But is it the guy at the top or do you think it's kind of an organization that really needs to have their act together more than than the person that's kind of controlling everything?
2: I think it's twofold. I definitely think it's the guy at the top controlling a lot of it. But I think what Facebook is truly showing us is who they really are. You can't believe Facebook when they say We just want to be a community space where everybody can make friends and make connections and, and really, you know, have that loyalty and that friendship, even if it's, you know, miles apart. That's what they kind of sell to us. That's what everyone bought into on why in the world am I going to make a Facebook account and join, is it's a way for us to connect with people. It's a way for us to get our stories out there and to meet new people and all that stuff, which is a fundamental human need that we as human beings have. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that these consistent errors and lapses in judgment and lapses in our security and all the rest of that show us that Facebook was lying to us all the time. That's not their main reason why they created Facebook, it wasn't just, at least not anymore, to create the communities for us. It was really all about information control and being able to get really intimate personal information from us about what we like, about what we don't like, and honestly sell it to the highest bidder. And that's what a lot of technology companies do. It's kind of the dirty side of technology companies that most consumers don't know about and kind of put their fingers in their ears and say, la, 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 because they don't want to know about it. But the truth is is that you know the platform's free for a reason. They're getting paid along the way. You just don't know what you're selling for that to actually happen.
1: Indeed, I work in education, and that's we kind of talk about this awareness with young people. Ultimately, how are these companies making money? What ultimately are they looking to do to make that money? You know, how does Apple make money? How does Google make money? How does Amazon make money? How does Facebook make money? Because they all make money. How do they do it? Are they being nefarious? Are they being open and and honest? That is the question. And I will ask you the same thing about Facebook, though that we we kind of touched on earlier. I mean, there really isn't an, an alternative to fa- And Facebook is sort of a generational thing now. It's, it's, you know, my kids don't care about Facebook, but it's certainly a, a certain demographic that does. But there's no alternative. Is anybody going to eventually push back against Facebook?
2: You're not going to see a revolt, which people are just going to leave Facebook in the masses. It's not going to happen. It's not going to be a MySpace instance where another platform is going to become so huge and so big that everyone's just going to kind of run away and abandon their pages. But from a branding perspective, and what I always warn my clients about when it comes to building their businesses on Facebook, building their brand reputation and their community and their engagement and all of that, is that you don't own it. Facebook owns it, and the truth is that any moment, they can decide what changes and how that affects you, and you have no say in it. And so I always warn clients, as well as the consumer side of it all, to be on the lookout about that. Don't be naive. Facebook has completely shown their side to us of their intention is to get your information and then sell it to people. That's what they've done repetitively. That's what they keep doing repetitively. And even though they keep saying, oops, we didn't know, oops, we did it again, basically. You know, like they're doing Britney Spears all over again every single couple of months. And so we have to be smart about it and say, I'm intentionally going into this relationship with Facebook on what type of information I'm sharing, but also what type of relationships I'm building. And do I want to keep them on Facebook or do I want to take them offline and maybe bring them into this thing called the real world of life?
1: There you go. And on that note, hey, Allie Craig, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been great to have you. Can we do this again in the future?
2: Of course. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Oh, you're great. So we will do this again. And folks, thanks for listening into this episode of Popular Technology Radio. We are podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts, and including Apple, iTunes and other places, so you can check us out there. I do want to thank, of course, the Radio America. They are a syndicator that takes us out to all the great cities and radio stations across the country. Big thanks to those folks. And big thanks to Cody Castleberry. He is my producer and my engineer and my editor and he makes my life easy, even when I throw him curveballs. He keeps hitting them, and he keeps getting back. So, it's Pop Tech Radio. I'm Mike Etchard. Thanks for
0: listening. We'll see you next time. The big news from Subaru is the all-new three-row Ascent. It's the biggest SUV from Subaru ever. There's room for seven or eight passengers with a choice of second-row captains' chairs or bench seating. It'll tow up to five thousand pounds. It has the interior space you need for your whole crew. And it gets you where you want to go with the safety of a Subaru, including standard symmetrical all-wheel drive. The all-new three-row Subaru Ascent Love is now bigger than ever. Maximum towing capacity varies by trim level, and trailer brakes may be required. See your retailer for details.